0: You know, some of the Franz Bosch stuff or like the robust, Mm -hmm. the robust running, you know, like where they're running with your hands overhead or behind your head or doing different drills. Like some of my PE books, if you look in them, there's a list of those type of movements, but it's like not, it's like run like a monster, run like an elephant, run like a giraffe, run quiet, run loud, run backward. You know what I mean? So it's almost like those those things are there in, in PE. And we've been, they, they've always been there. We just sort of lost, they, they you know, without pe- have, having, uh, having PE in schools as much as it used to be years ago, that stuff sort of lost, but it's so funny to see it in strength and conditioning
1: now. That was physical preparation coach, Jeremy Frisch, speaking on uh, movement drills found in, today in sports performance and their roots in physical education. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to episode 134 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith, and today on the show, we welcome back Jeremy Frisch to the podcast jeremy was originally on episode 100 on the round table i did with him zach evanesh and george carvajal on the state of youth training and the lack of play that is really crippling uh the physical preparation of our kids the injury rates the burnouts uh was a tremendous episode Um jeremy is, has done solo podcasts on a, a number of other shows and and what he's doing is is truly legendary in the field uh i If you own a a private facility these days, it it can certainly be tough uh, just with like parents who are expecting these immediate clear cut results. Uh, What types of training are you going to give the kids? Are you going to test them to show this improvement? Uh, How does it fit into the long term process? Uh, Jeremy has just a really developed a really amazing system that is giving his kids a first class experience with exactly what they need. But it also not only is it that it's fun and it's part of the long term process, but it's also the optimal process for getting kids to be better um, later in life, in sport, to be better movers, to have more fun with the process, to own um, their bodies and their movement abilities. Uh, So that he does that at Achieve Performance in Clinton, Massachusetts. Prior to that, he was the strength coach for Holy Cross, where he worked with a number of sports: basketball, soccer, lacrosse, baseball—you name it. Um, he has a huge and diverse experience in, in a lot of different sports. He, you'll listen to, through this episode. Jeremy was uh, had a childhood full of play, full of games, tackle basketball. He has four kids himself, and um, the guy is just doing amazing things right now in the world of bringing play back into the system where it is so desperately needed. And so on the original podcast, we really talked about just how, um, I guess, damaged our, our children's physical preparation and experiences and what needs to be done to fix it. Uh, Today's a little bit of the nuts and bolts. We're going to get into what Jeremy does, what he finds important. He's going to get into child development. Uh, we're going to talk about the role of just observation, just how kids learn versus adults, and then what um, us who coach adults can learn from how children learn. I think there's And if you listen to this episode and you don't really train youth, there is so much gold in this episode regardless. Because a lot of the ways you can look at youth, you can learn in training adult populations 100%. Uh, We're going to talk about the key skills that Jeremy wants to uh, achieve in his young athletes through his training organization and structure and the things that he lets his kids, uh, the, the things that he wants his kids to get in his system as well as some kids things that kids should hopefully get by playing like ball games on their own uh if they are uh he's also going to talk about training athletes the the positions he wants to train them in uh, a position that's typically lacking uh that athletes can can um the athletes tend to not be able to get into that he works on He's going to go into a little bit of uh, Dan Paff's ideology and how that's inspired him and what he's doing. Uh, He's going to get into uh, how sports played early, can give athletes skills in the bank to use later. Um, And also, we're going to talk a little bit about, and this is something that's passionate to me, is uh, how sports can give you strength that you will see in the weight room. So, like, I think a lot of times we're just like, okay, get stronger, but if you can, uh, in the weight room to, to achieve this. But if you got that through a sport, then it's a better situation because it's a more athletic form of strength, and especially when you're a young athlete. So uh, overall, this episode was a lot of fun front to back. And I, I there's a ton of quotes in the show notes that uh, definitely were worth checking out, kind of rehashing after the episode. And this one is awesome. Again, not only for just youth, if you work with youth of any kind, or if you're a parent and have kids and are just looking for um, some directives and bringing them up. Uh, from a physical uh, education and proficiency perspective but it's it's also awesome for anyone again who works with adult athletes because there's so many parallels the, Both the parallels and the distinctions between children and adults is huge and I just think think it gives us uh, a more well-rounded look at the whole system. I, I know Curtis Taylor way back, Um, Successful, super successful sprint coach at the University of Oregon now. He was on episode, it was maybe 19 or 20, way back in the day. But he had talked about to be a great coach working with athletes on as many levels as possible, uh, of age groups as possible. And even if you don't really have the opportunity to work with young athletes, listening to this, I think, helps us all. And uh, so with that said, we'll get to the show. One more thing before we jump into it is, uh, again, my new book, Speed Strength is Out. Uh, go on to JustFlySports.com to check it out. You can see some of the reviews that are left. Um, this was a, a huge project, and it's got a lot of great stuff in it. It was a reason, actually, I wasn't writing as much the last three years. I, I was really um, putting it all uh, in terms of anything speed and power related, uh, related to athletic speed development was going into this. And I think it's an awesome book. Turned out amazingly well. Reviews are great. And I think you'll like it too. So go ahead and check that out on just fly sports. Uh, that said, let's get to the show.
0: Yeah. The, uh, so it's kind of funny too. Like, you know, with my children, I think my youngest one probably learned by watching the older ones. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so
1: yeah, yeah. He, he
0: does everything earlier than the other. Two. So I have three boys, two boys and a girl then a boy. So like the youngest one sort of does, it has done everything earlier than the other two. Because he's just watched them more, and so he sort of sort of mimics them. So like he's always, for example, throwing. Like I remember my oldest at five, he couldn't throw. He he kind of threw with a sort of, um, you know, not a, with the great step. You know, he just sort of didn't really know. What he was still kind of figuring it out. And my five-year-old now, I mean, he just zips it. You know, he can go play with them and throw a pitch because he's been exposed to it earlier and probably was able to mimic it. Where my oldest had no one to look to. You know what I mean? And so he learned it a little bit later. But it's funny. He, he's a big kid, and now he's played baseball for the last three years. He throws pretty hard. So I don't know if there's a. I I would say there's probably a time later on that um you probably wouldn't benefit. Like it, it would be harder for you to learn how to throw well if you started throwing maybe at 14 or 15 or 16. But I think there's a sort of a time range where like you can – you can pick that stuff up probably between the ages of like four and 10 or 11. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm thinking more and more of that. And like in team dynamics too, like if you have a team, a group and you have a lot of people in that group who can do a skill well, like a lot of people will learn, um, you know, not just through coaching, but through observation. Like, and if you can get people to learn through observation and just say, Hey, just watch that person doing it well. Um, that can be a lot more powerful than having to, you know, I guess try to coach someone up, so to speak. And I think you know, with children, all the more powerful, right? Like, basically, yeah,
0: 100. Yeah. I think that's how so many children learn is by mimicking. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't think we even real. I don't think as parents we or coaches we even pick up on it. But I think they learn so much just by watching. You know, just watching what uh, other people do or their peers. You know, there was an awesome article about uh, Gatel- I think it was Gaelic football. And, uh, you know, how like this certain these certain players now in in Ireland are like tops, you know, they're tops in their professional league. But they, the story was that when they when they were younger, their coach basically took there was, you know, say there was like 10 best kids. Right. Uh, instead of having one really good team to travel around and try to beat everybody at that time, the coach basically split those 10 kids up and put five on one team and five on the other. And then now you just doubled your team because now you took up five more kids who are not as good and put them on one team. and put now, So now you have 10 kids on one team and two, you got 20 total kids. Those kids that are not as good are going to play with these kids that are really good and get better because they're exposed to better athletes in, in a faster game, right? And so the idea was that, oh yeah, we might take our lumps early on during the teen years, but as they get older, these kids are going to develop so much more and peak at a higher level later on. And it's so true. They said like, they've seen these kids who were maybe when they were 11, 12, 13, not great athletes become highly skilled later on. So, and I totally believe in that stuff. I mean, obviously I write about it all the time, but I think, I think it's, it's, it's such a, it's hard to, again, like we were just saying, it's hard to wrap your brain around it. Right. How do you, um, you know, as a parent, it's hard to see your kid, not like if you see another kid, playing well and, and, and doing well and playing all the time, you think like, oh, if my kid doesn't do that stuff, he's going to fall behind. When the reality is, is it's not true. You know, if they're exposed to more things and more sports and more movements and the, the uh, you know, being able to take what they learned when they're younger and put it towards one specific thing later on will yield a higher result in the end. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I feel like uh, it it's kind of like that idea of like, you know, the, the countries with the small population where it's like, if you have the population and the passion for the sport, like, like Jamaica being incredible at sprinting and I'm sure there's other factors at play too, but or like, or Finland and javelin and, uh, or, or any country where there's like a small sport that's just massive and the country is so successful. You just think about all those young athletes are probably growing up watching these sure. elite athletes in this, this sport. And, like, you know, like Finland and javelin are like, I mean, USA is terrible at javelin and, and, you know, it's all like kids here could grow up watching people throw spears. Like and if, they, you know, I mean, maybe kids, you know, would play, if they had sticks in the backyard, they could, you know, throw it around. But like, it's, um, it's just totally different. But then, and then by the time they finally do get coached later on, it's very like pre-programmed and, and it's more like the, you know, and not that people can't be good technicians later on, but you, you wouldn't totally lose that advantage you'd have as a child just watching your heroes and, uh, and emulating what they're doing. It's funny. I, uh, so I, you know, I grew
0: up playing baseball and I, uh, I played center field. So I used to, you know, we would throw just for fun so much. We would just throw the ball as far as we could try to hit home plate, stuff like that. And then in high school, I threw the javelin. I ran track and field too. So I threw the javelin a little bit. That was okay, but I could throw for, I was only a hundred and, you know, 40 pounds, in and, and, and high school. So it, I wasn't, had a lot of power behind the throw, but you know, I school ended, I went to college, the college that I originally, the first college that I went to didn't have a track team. But in the meantime, I had kind of found weights and things like that, started training. And then I went to transfer to a college that did have, uh, 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 a track team and I started throwing the javelin there. And I remember like my first throw was like double what I would throw in high school uh-huh. just because I was, you know, 60 pounds heavier. I, I, I think I knew how to throw throw because I did it before and I threw growing up and then I just sort of put the power behind it. You know what I mean? And was able to, to, uh, to get, you know, a much bigger throw than I obviously than I did in high school. So it's pretty funny. I think, like I said, exposing kids to throwing, whether it's a baseball javelin, whatever, if they have that kind of pattern down and, and if they've done enough of it, it can carry over to many different sports, you know?
1: Yeah, it, it highlights the importance of just like the the multilateral skill development as you grow up but yeah that's that's really cool man i mean that's <laughs> that's a cool anecdote too about i i do think you know sometimes um there could the arguments could be made out while well, you're you know your your skill has to go hand in hand with your strength development as you go and you know with the with the javelin is different the baseball but the body can figure out, you know, if the skill's been there, the body figures it out on its own. It's really good at doing so. Like, sure. <laughs> I, I love that uh, that piece, uh, Jeremy. Let's uh, we actually I'll just take what we've been talking about as kind of a rolling start, and I'll start feeding you some of the cool. questions here. Um, yeah, I'll probably even take like five or ten minutes of what we've been talking about, uh, for the yeah. show. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, yeah. Well, let's let's rock and roll with with, with what at least I had for you. Uh, yeah. So. So and so moving into the the actual questions I guess I had for you today. Uh you know you've you've written a really good article for Simply Faster recently kind of talking about this and and I think it's you know it it definitely you know we have physical education obviously but uh in terms of like just global like skill development um what are the, and and in conjunction with physical preparation and just giving kids the skills they need to be athletes and and especially with these injury epidemics uh what are the key skills that young athletes and, and maybe we could just say ages six to 12, but if that age range could be moved around a little bit, that's okay. But what are the key skills that young athletes should be able to perform? Uh, and then how do you uh, uh, attain those skills? I guess that's, a, could be a huge question, but if you could narrow it down to a, a, a few of them, uh, that would be awesome.
0: You know, well, first even like I think, I think attaining those skills, you're going to get a lot of it just by being a kid, right? You're going to, I mean, even though kids probably don't move around as much as they do today, they still, they still play, they still do things. So you're going to learn how to do a lot of those things. I mean, every kid first, whether they're super efficient or not, they can run, you know, they can do those things. But, but also when I have athletes that are very young and I want to see them do certain things, or I want to try to teach them certain things, you know, um, you know, obviously fundamental movement skills is top of the list, you know? So I always want, the kids that I come the things that we practice, you know, when the kids come to my facility or I get to work with the team, the first thing we're always gonna attack or try to practice is those fundamental movement skills, right, so simple stuff like skipping and hopping and shuffling and, and backpedaling and sprinting and jumping and leaping and those type of movements, we're gonna try to figure out ways for those kids to practice it. We might just, if it might be an older group, we might warm up and just form lines and have kids practice those movements. If I have younger kids, we might play a game where we're going to throw a balloon up in the air or a ball and kids are going to practice jumping in the air and catching and landing, or, you know, we're going to do some type of uh, <laughs> type of game where we sprint and chase each other, things like that. So they're almost doing those movements without even thinking about it. Right. So, um, so I think a lot of that stuff too, is kids develop as they, as they, uh, they develop those skills just by being kids, being outside, running around, chasing each other, going to the playground, things like that. So, um, you know, if you, if you play enough sports or you play with, with your, your friends enough or, you know, things like that too, you, you're going to start develop those other skills like um, catching, throwing, you know, being able to stop a ball, uh, dodge a ball, things like that. So those are all like really simple skills that uh, I think all kids should be able to do or be exposed to on a sort of uh, on a daily basis or, you know, at least a weekly basis, stuff like that. I think um if you try to break them down, I think I sent you a list too uh, when we were talking on email. But you know, movements like uh, pushing, pulling, grappling—like those are things where you see. And so when I say pushing and pulling in the strength conditioning world, they'll probably think like, "Oh, bench, you know, <laughs> chin up." But for kids, it's not that. It's like wrestling. It's pushing each other over. It's uh, playing tug of war. It's like crawling on the ground. It's uh, you know, it's climbing on the jungle gyms. It's things like that. You know what I mean? Those are all pushing and pulling movements. They're just not you got to get your people have to stop thinking in terms of just like exercise. you think of like, just when you watch children play, kind of take that idea and say, Oh, what, are, what, are, what are they doing here? So that's why we, we spend a lot of time, uh, with, you know, with the example of pushing and pulling, you know, we do a lot of stuff where kids are pushing each other, you know, they one kid might turn around and, um, the other kid puts his hands on his back and that kid tries to resist and he pushes and then they turn around and they switch. Right. So, these are like simple exercises that, uh, develop strength and coordination and stability and, and, uh, that they can do that are, will kind of set the foundation to give them, to give them something or to, for them, for their development. So then when they do get old enough, we can then go jump into sort of like, you know, your classic exercises like chin-ups and push-ups and bench presses and presses and things like that. So, uh, what else? So, uh, pushing and pulling, obviously. Um, I'm trying to think like crawling is another big one, right? So we use, you, you see a lot of our athletes do that. That's just, for me, the, I, I love getting kids on the ground because it sort of combines the arms and legs at the same time where you're loaded. Uh, it's a loaded movement. So crab walks, bear crawls, you know, Spider-Man crawls, anything like that, that really sort of forces you to, to use your arms and legs at the same time in an alternate fashion. And like I said, like we were talking before the show, not all kids really get it right away, but instead of coaching it a lot, I just let kids sort of figure it out. So a lot of times, you know, if I have a group of young children, say seven, eight, nine years old, you might see them. Every kid looks a little bit different because they sort of haven't figured it out yet. But over time, if you give them enough exposure, they'll figure that stuff out. So that's another big movement for me that I want to see kids be able to do. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, it's uh, climbing, hanging, things like that. Uh, I think that's sort of a, a lost art that children always were really good at, uh, because they spend so much time at the playground. But, uh, now some playgrounds don't even have jungle gyms or monkey bars anymore. Um, and a lot of schools don't let kids do that stuff for fear of like, they might fall off and get hurt. When the reality is, is if you let them do it and let them figure it out, they're going to be much safer and much more resilient robust people. Right. So it's like this kind of double-edged sword. Um, so I also think, you know, I, I said this before too, like, so many kids get into sports like uh, like throwing sports like baseball um, and and you know you got kids pitching and throwing, throwing, a, uh, throwing a uh, ball and swinging a bat. Yet they're not strong enough to hold up, hold themselves up, hanging on a bar, you know, hold their body weight up. So, you know, how strong are their shoulder? Is their shoulder complex? How, how strong is their grip? Really probably not that strong yet. You're trying to play this game with that requires you to hold something or throw something. You know what I mean? It's just, and so I think years ago, kids started playing sports a little bit later, and so they had that time to develop the strength and the stability and mobility in their upper body because they they didn't they weren't playing sports. They were outside just doing stuff, climbing trees and jumping around and wrestling with each other. And so now I think kids are probably playing less and getting involved in sports earlier, and so they're a little bit, they're a little bit. I, I say you know. Physically uh, prepared to play those sports, yeah, right. so yeah. um I'm trying to think. So going on. Obviously, we talked about like the the basic of movements of skip, you know, skipping, jumping, hopping. But also, uh, as kids get a little bit older, I like to see kids be able to, you know, the basic foundational movements. Like, can you squat? You know, can the kid just and it doesn't have to be perfect, right? But can you can you squat down? uh, you know, both knees, hips, bend ankles, bend, stand up all the way. Uh, can you lunge? Can you step? You know, we, we practice those movements a lot with my athletes, uh, here. Um, I even try to get the younger kids to do it. So I, if I have a, if I have a group of say, you know, kindergarten, first grade kids, I'll do a drill where say I'll put a bunch of cones on the ground. Right. And, and I'm going to tell the kids, all right, you guys are going to run down to the cones. I want you guys to, you know, squat down and, I don't say squat down, but you're going to bend over and flip the cones over and run back. And if you watch, the kids actually squat down to, to pick the cone up and bend it over. So they're squatting. They just don't even know they're squatting. <laughs> you know I mean? And if you have enough cones out and kids, they're going to get plenty of reps where they're kind of bending up and down. Right. So th- that's something I try to look at. Like, oh, what drill can we do? What What game can we play? What exercise can we do that the kids will do these movements and not even know? They're doing it. Right. Yeah. So like um, you know, some of the Franz Bosch stuff or like the robust mm-hmm. the robust running, you know, like where they're running with your hands overhead or behind your head or doing different drills. Like some of my PE books, if you look in them, there's a list of those type of movements, but it's like not it's like run like a monster, run like an elephant, run like a giraffe, run quiet, run loud, run backward. You know what I mean? So it's almost like those. Those things are there in, in PE, and we've been, they, they've always been there. We just sort of lost, they, they you know, without pe- have, having uh, having PE in schools as much as it used to be years ago, that stuff sort of lost. But it's so funny to see it in strength and conditioning now, guys talking about it. Cause I, m- I remember watching some videos of guys running with their arms overhead and to the side and all these different movements. I'm like, oh my God, like we do that stuff with our like first graders. You know what I mean? So, um, it's just interesting to see the connection because I think over the years you can kind of shift focus from saying how you say things to children, like, Hey, run like a monster, run like an elephant, you know, what, what's the difference between running like an elephant where they have to slam their foot in the ground. And then later on teaching a kid, like, Oh, you need to put your foot in the ground to produce force. Right. It's like, they're the same. We're talking about the same thing. It's just how you present it to the kid in his maturity level. Right. So, um, Yeah, it's pretty funny. I've been wanting to tell you that one because I remember just seeing the different drills people do now with their athletes, especially the speed training stuff. And it just it just made me laugh because the the drills that they're doing are almost exactly similar to what we're doing with our little kids. You know,
1: I love that. I, I was going to say, too, I, and sorry if I interrupted if you had a few more points. Hopefully, like, we can get to but I just There's so much good stuff, and I kind of wanted to uh, mention a few things that I was thinking about. But, like, the whole, like, I honestly feel like the whole, like, run like a monster thing, too, it can even have value at some point with, like, older kids from time to time just because, like, you lose the creativity as you go older. Um, there was a, I think it was, like, a strength coach from Mississippi. Like, one of the, the track coaches um, that I would met about seven years ago had he had this one called the Safari Warrant. He's like, oh yeah, the strength coach from Mississippi. Like I learned this, and it was like you you would walk over hurdles and, and do like a forward walk, but then you'd do a, um, and then you'd do like a, uh, like a flamingo walk or, or a monkey shuffle afterwards, like for ten more yards. Yeah. And it was all named after an animal. So it's like you do something dynamic over the hurdles, and then something named after an animal, um, just on the flat ground. And I was like, you know, this is i I'd never heard anything even like named like that. But it's kind of funny because when you actually I used to use it with my athletes and you, you, I'm like, OK, monkey shuffle. Like it's just funny to as an older athlete, they have that tag to it. And and oh, I think it's yeah. good to it, too.
0: yeah so You know, what, too, I think it's a nice way, believe it or not, to get your athletes to remember the exercise. Right. <laughs> yeah. So if you have a group of kids and you're like, all right, we're going to do, you know, spider Man's or whatever it is they will eventually put those two together and so you can just get to the point where like or or say you had an athlete who you weren't going to be with for a day but you they wanted uh, oh hey give me a workout i want to go you know i do it all the time i'll have college kids text me like give me something that i can go to the track to do and i list the exercises and then they can put the word to to the exercise you know what i mean so it's it's uh yeah it's pretty interesting so i just love that the connection between pe and strength and conditioning it's there You just sort of have to dig it up. You know what I mean? Um, We even played a game like, so for example, like you, you'll appreciate this. It's we played a game of tag, but I made the kids sort of like, they have to run in like a lunge. You know what I mean? Like make believe like the ceiling's really low and you can't stand up. So you're in a lunge the whole time. So when you're running at, you know, you're running to chase someone, you're running really low to the ground. It's like, my legs. I did it with them. It, you know, it felt like an ISO Extreme lunch. You know, you know <laughs> like your legs hurt like that. And it's really cool because the kids, you know, obviously they fatigue very fast, but it was a gr- great way for young children to develop strength. You know what I mean in
1: their legs. Yes. And so, and, and they're doing it without even realizing it. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. That is awesome. I'm glad you told me that. It's like um if I don't know if you ever see me I've I've talked about posts like the squatty runs that um Adarian Barr, uh track coach had taught me that I've used to in myself and athletes like shave um a good time off like short sprints like 10, 10 yard dash, thirty meter dash, um sure. those types of things. And uh I, it's like, and I was, you know, I'm doing it. I'm like, wow, like this is like strength and sprinting all at once, kind of like, <laughs> and then, yeah, with kids, it's like the best thing you could do. Cause how many kids too, and you know, you working with all these ages, like, and, and I'm sure this probably happens particularly in kids who aren't quite as well-rounded, but some kids just don't like to get down when they move. Like some people just don't move well with a low center of gravity. Like they just always want to keep their legs pretty straight. And yeah. I can't imagine something better for those athletes than if then they were young learning to do that um, from a young age.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, and that's where you, I think you put it in. Cause I've done it with older kids and like, I, it's funny, we did it with a, uh, like a high school girls soccer team and almost the entire team hated it because they play <laughs> like sort of in that, like, you know, like this, like just slightly knees bent, hips back like this. They don't play deep, you know, they don't, that's not how they play the game and most of these girls play soccer all the time all year round so that's like the positions they're always in those positions and then you get them out of it and out of their comfort zone and they're just dying you know what i mean it it, it crushes them so um i think when you're doing that type of stuff it obviously works better uh for younger kids but you can definitely implement it with older kids as well um to kind of get them to realize like what they're missing you know what what they're not doing so because a lot of the girls were like oh my god my legs are you know they're so tired Um, and I'm like, well, you guys don't ever go through these ranges of motion. And it's really important that you do because you can develop a lot of strength and, and you know, carry over to your game. So, uh, Dan Path wrote, it's like, it's sort of like my, you know, one of the, if there was like three or four articles that I, that sort of define what I do. He wrote an, an article years ago. It was like, uh, alternative methods of strength, power, and mobility or something like that. Oh yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. It's really great. It's really great. And, and, and I've read it probably a hundred times, you know, he just talks about the importance of like general skills and how he's seen so many athletes who were, who started to be too specific too early, come up with injuries and, and poor performances. And his idea was like, if we go back to these simple drills to get our athletes more athletic and uh, more, more well-rounded you're going to see a carryover to their performance and, and less injuries. And so, you know, and it's simple stuff, right? It's like his his uh, hurdle series, stepping over, ducking under. It's uh, medicine ball throws in the air, vertical throws and horizontal throws. It's different hopping series. It's basically PE, what I do with kids all the time. You know what I mean? Uh, he has us I think he talks about like doing duck walks and low lunge walks and things like that. And what's interesting too, like he talks about how – when he gets his athletes really good at those things, it's sort of like almost magically cleans them up. You know you start to see better running form. You start to see them move better almost by not even have to worry about like doing certain technical drills to become a better sprinter. You know what I mean? And so I see it the most with kids because they're so plastic, you know you start to get them good at those things. And you start to see them move so much better, so much faster because they they've had less time to develop bad habits, you know? And so I'm um, I'm I'm sort of like I would say in the last two years, I've gone away from like, especially with adolescent, late adolescent, I mean early adolescent kids and going into high school, like I've done less and less drills, like speed drills, sprint drills, like you know, working on really the A skip and like <laughs> pounding that I remember mean, like I just don't even teach that stuff. We're yeah. doing like wall drills because every time we did wall drills, like the kids like hunched over, looked like mm-hmm. they were throwing up. Yeah. I mean it just like used to I wanted to pull my hair out. And so I was <laughs> always looking for like, what can I do to make kids better? Sprinters. And that then I found sort of that article and it was like, all right, well this is the kind of path I'm gonna try to go down. I'm gonna do these different as much different as many different movements as I can slowly and and sort of get kids in the right position obviously right it's almost like doing ISO, iso iso extremes like get them in the right position and have them hold those positions and eventually you're going to move more efficiently it's like the same sort of idea right
1: yeah so yeah i couldn't agree more yeah that and it's like the more good coaches i talk to i mean you know like that the jay schrader thought of like you know you shouldn't really you never really need to coach an athlete's technique like and i think there there are points where you do need to coach it but the actually giving cues and, and saying do this and and put your arm here leg here it's like and especially for anyone under like you know like 14 or 15 like um well, i don't know or what age it would be but it's like well a kid too like you uh, I, I was reading uh one of my books. I think it was like the Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, but it was talking about how your, uh, you have like the different brain waves, like the the alpha and the the beta and the delta and the theta, like how fast they go. And it's like a kid doesn't even have like those like really thinking brain. They just absorb sure. everything. They don't like. There's not a lot of like that 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 conscious that it's more subconscious processing and intaking than it is conscious. So even if you were going to tell somebody what to do, it wouldn't really be till those are established, which I think is 10 to 12. Right. But anyways, it's, a... I,
0: would rather, I would rather have them do some, you know, exercises to get them stronger and more mobile and things like that. And then say, all right, Hey, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna line up and I want you guys to chase each other, you know, and just tap into that. Like, holy crap, I'm getting chased. You know, yeah. I'm going to I can, you know what I mean, because then you're gonna get you're gonna get a kid who's gonna he's gonna use his arms, you know what I mean? He's gonna try to put force into the ground. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's like that's that's the way I look at it. And then yeah, later on you can you can start to you can start to cue them up a little bit more when they get older, probably in high school, because that's the thing. Like, you know, it's funny. I had a kid this week come back. I trained him in eighth grade, right? And so I can remember being frustrated because he couldn't get into the positions I want him. He was he's, you know, he was starting to grow and. He was an eighth grader um, and, you know, he wanted to start strength training. And I remember like being frustrated because I couldn't get him to like, you know, really get a nice front squat and I I couldn't get him to like hip hinge really, really well. He kept like sort of using too much quad on his, on his, uh, on his, uh, we were teaching him how to hang clean. And so I was just teaching him like a basic, you know, hip hinge, things like that. And I was, I remember being frustrated about it. Right. And so we worked on it all summer and then he went away and I hadn't seen him for like a year and a half. You know, he didn't come back for like a year and a half because um, he went away to private school. And now he's back. And the first day, I'm like, all right, let's work on your hand clean. And he just like sort of remembered what we did. And he hadn't done one since then. But his body's grown. It's sort of found itself. It's sort of like realigned because, you know, you go through that growth spurt yeah, where like yeah. everything gets it's Everything's just wacky for a while. And now it's sort of he's like a sophomore and everything's coming together. And like first rep, boom, he nails a hand clean like like perfectly. You know what I mean? So it was like that pattern was there. We taught it to him. He really wasn't getting it because his body wasn't letting him. Now things are sort of coming together, and boom, he gets it, right? It's amazing. And I've, that's happened to me so many times in my career where I've had kids where I started them young. They went through that kind of weird growth spurt, and then things sort of come together later on.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool to hear. And it uh, it just makes you think, too. I mean, I guess you know, it's different with fully grown athletes, but I... I always kind of look at like, um, in, in, in what we were talking about before, like I'm starting really to look at like the, the internal cure of the instructions, kind of like the last thing on the list. Like I'm going to try to make a change every other way I possibly can. Uh, yep. Like, and the, the damn path and the general strength, alternative strength is just awesome. Like maybe it's just a, because you think about it too. Like if you're queuing something in the body it just doesn't have like the specific, you know, strength that developed through multilateral training to do that then you're kind of whatever, however they end up doing, it's going to be a compensation, right? Like, you know, if you, and it's a lot of good things to think about. Like it's, I think it's awesome what you're saying too, with the physical education textbooks. I used to think about this, like, and this is where the industry is a little crazy, right? Like if you want to be a strength coach now, or even, even a track coach in in some regards, I don't know. I'm not as quite as sure what track coaches end up usually getting their degrees in. I think a lot of sport admin, like masters type stuff, just with how that works. But like, if you're going to be a strength coach, it's always, you know, it's like X phys and it's, uh, you know, applied sports science or or whatever. Like, I think mine was, masters was called applied sports science. But I remember back in the 70s and 80s and before all this got super structured, I, I you know, you look at like coaches' bio. It's like a track coach's bio. And it was usually like physical education major. Like, and, and it's so easy to look down on that. I think it's like from the, oh, I did... This intellectual exercise, which I didn't, I can show on. I mean, not that my college programs are bad, and my graduate school is very well reputed and and really really smart people there and a lot of good information. But in terms of things that I actually concrete use in my coaching, I can pretty much count off on one hand. Like <laughs> it's serious, and but it's like physical education. It's like you are in the thick of motor learning like and and applied motor learning with different age groups and and you see like the back end of all these skills and where they all came from and and it's almost like like we say like everything is coached now right it's like rather than and rather than look at the roots of where movement came from it's so well here okay you're you know 18 year old college athlete now here's some exercises (laughs) and do them like this and you know it's 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 just an interesting thing i think on a lot of levels
0: well it's like I used to pull my hair out cuz like remember the whole like uh corrective exercise rage yeah and it was like they in and as a coach they you know you start to believe like all right well, I have to do all these exercises in order to correct everything and it's like I don't know if if you can correct a lot of those things you know what i mean i yeah. for me it was almost like i think i need to go back and start with these athletes earlier obviously i can't but As far as like my career and what I want to do, if you want to make a difference for me, it was like, we'll start start working with children earlier, you know, start working with athletes earlier so you can implement those. Like you said, even Carl Valley, you know, him and I had this conversation a few weeks ago. It's like that magic age between like eight and 12. Like that is like that age, like so much stuff happens between that time. Like it's if you miss that, you know, if you're not doing the right stuff, then I don't know if you can really make up for it later on. But, you know, he was like, that is like the golden age. Those are the times where, you know, so much stuff happens physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you name it, you know? So it's, uh, and that's, for me, it's my favorite age group to work with for sure, because you see so many changes, so many things happen. And, and such a transition too. You mean, you know, I have a nine year old who comes in and primarily does, you know, plays. He runs around and, 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 uh, you know he'll do some exercises, but he's not one. He's not really interested in it, right? He sort of just wants to have fun, and so I try to come up with things that mostly gymnastics type stuff, where he's jumping and rolling and and doing those type of things, and still getting the he's getting the physical qualities that I want. I want to develop, but him out without even him knowing it. But then if you fast forward to my 11 year old, it's he's he's kind of past that stage now. He's his brain's more into like, oh, I want to lift because I see all these older kids lifting, right? So he's into like, uh, he's doing safety squat bar squats and, and cleans and snatches and cleaning and jerks and things like that. So it's an amazing transition time too because they grow up so fast and you see their mindset
1: change as the years go on. So it's pretty cool. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, yeah, I it, it really is like how... um Yeah. How it all fits together and works throughout the years. I, uh, I was going to say too, and before I forget this, um, well, with the eight through 12 too, like, I mean, I was, you know, a high jumper and and I jumped seven feet in college, but I, I mean, when I was, I remember when I was like 10, I was obsessed with touching like the highest light I could in the class, like in the classroom. If it wasn't for that. Yeah. (laughs) If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have jumped what I did. No doubt. Like I couldn't, if I rewind time and I was interested in something else or didn't care about it, it wouldn't have happened later.
0: But I think that's the, so. It's funny. So it's funny you say that. Like, my brother, uh, I'm the youngest of five boys. So my brother's eight years, seven years older than me. So you know, I used to go watch his track meets, him, him run, and he did high jump and <clears throat> and uh, he ran the quarter mile in high school. But I can remember like watching all the events and then coming home and like setting up my own events in my backyard. And so, of course, like my parents would be gone, and we had like my friends and I like got like two mattresses and put them in the corner of the bedroom. And, like, we had these two rooms that connected, so there was a big doorway, and we would have someone just hold a stick, and we would literally do high jump in my house. My house was, like, old, destroyed, you know, but my brothers, like, pretty much destroyed the house, so by that time it was, like, I got, like, my parents just didn't even care anymore, you know, so, like, and it was the 80s, so, like, you had a lot, we were a lot more free-range than kids now, so, you know, we're freaking doing, like, high jumps in, on the upstairs bedroom, you know what I mean? (laughs) And having con, it was awesome. You know, we we'd set up a, a basketball hoop and play tackle hoops, like all those <laughs> tackle <things>. hoops. <laughs> right? But That's when awesome. you think back, like, man, we probably went pretty hard doing that stuff, and you probably developed some things yeah. when you did it. You know what I mean? So I used to love like we had this thing. I'm not a tennis player, but uh, we had a tennis court right by my house, and we all sort of got into it for like a couple summers. And someone like made a championship belt, like like WWE belt. And like, if you won for the day, like if you beat everyone in tennis, you got to wear the belt home. You know what I mean? And and so we played tons of tennis for a couple summers because because we all got it because we all wanted that belt. You know what I mean? So I think that's where the kind of the for us for me anyways, and for when like you know probably for you too when you were a kid, uh, you know you that that's where that multilateral development comes from doing all these different things. You know, so and I can remember like same thing with you. I couldn't wait like. Seeing my brothers, they're all older than me, be able to touch the ceiling. Like, I remember jumping and jumping and jumping, trying to touch the ceiling in the kitchen. Right. And so eventually you get to that day where you're like, yes, I freaking got it. You know, and then after that, you just, you're just looking for higher and higher things to try to touch.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. yeah kid. And then, yeah. And then the body does it as it's programmed to. Like, I, it, it's funny because i for years i would watch myself do um like like hurdle hops when i was i used to start videoing my workouts when i started this whole website stuff when i was like 22 23 and i i noticed my knees always kind of turned in on my hurdle hops and then you know you learn through you know, coaching or whatever the you don't do that like don't 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 let your knees go in and yeah, I mean, some cases, yeah, it is a bad thing if the the what's happening at the foot is, is is not good. There's no pre-programming activation. But like for me, it was like, well, no, my body was just being smart and using internal rotation to create to stretch load the glutes, and yeah. just through hundreds, thousands, hundreds, like probably tens of thousands of jumps as a child, my body got pretty darn good at recycling energy, and uh, you know, I never had I never had any issues. But it was just it's interesting how the body comes up with movement based off that. And then then just like watching the elites at their sport and, uh, and trying to kind of use that to, to figure out, uh, p- people who have been doing this since they were four, you know, and had a good, good, uh, athletic background and watching what they do and being like, Oh, okay. This is, this is the product. This is the end product at the end of the line and, and studying that. Sure. If you read, uh, I don't know if you've read it, but the, uh, athletic skills model book,
0: um, it's really great. It's basically like when I look at that book, it's just like everything I've ever wanted to say, but I'm just not smart enough to say it or write about it. You know what I mean? And they they did it. Um, and it throughout that whole book, there's like they just keep using examples of like these world class athletes, you know, Olympic medalists, stuff like that, and what their what their development was like. And yeah. almost well, pretty much every one of them was like there's a one guy who's like a world class soccer player, and like the big thing he was into in when he was a kid was judo. You know he did, and he knows how to fall. He knows how to jump. He knows how to grapple with people. He knows how to push. He gets the feeling like when someone's pushing him, trying to push him off the ball, he's got good leverage to know where to go. You know what I mean? And so, you know, there's another another one. It was like uh, they were. um, I can't remember what sport it was, but their big their big uh, sport that they played when they were kids was ping pong. They had a great reaction, but it you know their bodies ended up being better suited to another sport so they've moved to that but those things help carry over to what they're doing as adults you know or as as uh you know older developing athletes so yeah yeah it's and so i think i think what's happening what i'm trying to do you know as far as as far as uh as far as um development you know we do a lot of general stuff but i try to also you know look at each athlete who comes in and says and says and say to myself like what are you doing you know right now as far as your sports you know so obviously i want every kid to just sort of develop and get these all-around skills but i also you know w- will sit down and talk to them about what their favorite sport is and what they're doing and how to make that better because obviously that's why they're there they want to know I think i think kids want to know now well what am I, what am i doing this for and how is it going to help me be better right or the parents yeah. obviously too. yeah, yeah. So. We try to sit down, and, and I try to explain that to him. The other and, – and, and the tail end of that, I also try to explain to him like, listen, you're not going to be an athlete your whole life. Someday you're just going to have to – like, you just want to be active and go do things. And so knowing how to do all these exercises is really important for you because you can just basically know how to take care of yourself for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? So – Yeah, Yeah, all that stuff goes together.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're a businessman someday and you want to be good at golf, it'll help your golf game down the line too. (laughs) For sure. So,
0: yeah, I think um, I think the sort of um, you know the the the, what kids are going through now they're so they're so uh, focused on one sport, you know, and, and everyone around them is pushing them towards that one sport. And so I think for my job is just to sort of if they're going to be stuck in that one sport, obviously I can't say, hey, you have to stop and go do more sports because it's not it's not that easy. Right. So and my job then is to just figure out what uh, what else do they need? What are they missing and what's going to help them get better and what's going to help them uh, develop and stay, you know, injury free and allow them to continue that sport that they're playing as long as they can.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, that is probably like a little bit of the the selling point you know it's like especially with specialization where it's like okay how is this going to make my kid better at export is probably a question that's always like asked all the time I, I i was thinking well even back to what you were saying uh way at the beginning which i thought was like and i and i was waiting to like kind of come back to it because it, it really struck a chord with me but you're talking about pushing and pulling for the kids Uh um, yep. is more you know pushing into um like like a a, a partner uh, or or pulling, grappling. And I was watching, you know, it's like I, I think so many people too. I mean, there's a lot of programs where if the coach like scales back on the strength training, like there's a, a big backlash from like the parents or, or some athletes don't like it. Um, but it's like pulling. Like I was at the Olympic Training Center, the U.S. Olympic Training Center, Uh, like two weeks ago Uh, and I was watching when I, I'm pretty sure I'm almost 99% sure was the women's um, like women's wrestling and they were in and they were doing pull-ups and every last one of those wrestlers from like the lightweights, even to the heavyweights could just, just do, I mean, they were all awesome at pull-ups. I mean, doing resistive pull-ups with tons of weight, even the heavyweights, super strong at pull-ups. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I've never seen a group of female athletes ever uh, from, Front to back across the board, as strong as pull ups as this group is. And it's yep. I was like, what do you do all day? You hold, you are pulling. <laughs> I mean, it's not, they're not good at pull ups because they're doing pull ups in the weight room. I mean, that's like the cherry on top, but it's like, that's their sport is the strength they're gaining by by grappling with each other. And I was yep. like, whoa, that's awesome. Like, and, and if you're a kid, like, or, or even an adult, heck, like, it, would you rather build strength doing something that's proprioceptive and functional and athletic or have doing something on a bar being your primary. I'm not saying anything against pull-ups. I think pull-ups are awesome. I use them all the time. I love pull-ups. But like, if I had to pick, are you going to get strong through route A, the athletic route, or route B, the fixed against the bar route, as your primary means of getting strong? Well, I'm going to pick the athletic route every single time. And even in more established adult populations, I would like to take that route if I can, at least you know, as long as there's time and it fits within the structure of their overall training and the needs of where they're going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I coach, uh, youth football too. My, my kids play football. So I coach youth football, you know, from, I coach from fourth grade all the way up through seventh grade. And, um, you know, uh, what, what, what we're trying to focus on is tackling, right. We're trying to teach kids how to be efficient tacklers and blockers and, 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 things like that. So, I mean, you know, I, I talked to Andy Ryland who's the head of USA football, like about this. It's like, all right, well, where do we start? Well, first we have to get kids to get more comfortable in in someone else's space, right? You have to get comfortable being able to grab someone or push someone or get pushed, things like that. So if you're training youth kids, like you can't just say, all right, we're going to start tackling today because most kids – I mean, you have some kids that will run up and just run into another kid, but a lot of kids are not comfortable yet doing that. So you need to get them comfortable in someone else's space, right? So – That's where that stuff starts. We, you know, you get on, you get them to do like uh, hand fighting. You get them to do, you know, pushing and pulling or pummeling that they do in wrestling, or you do a drill on the ground where they're sort of trying to knock one guy down or pull the other each other's arm. You're just trying to get these kids more comfortable uh, using their body against somebody else. You know what I mean? And when when you do that, and if you do it enough, yeah, you you get the benefit of uh, improved coordination and strength, and and you get actually you improve confidence and position and all that stuff. So, you know, in our practices, we used to do stuff where we'd start on the ground and one guy would just have to hold the other guy down. And then we'd get up and then we, they would hand fight on their knees and how to, or they would do a, like a pushing drill where one kid would be on his knees and the other kid on his knees and they had to push the other guy over. And so those are the kind of steps that we use to try to sort of develop uh, the, the kind of spatial awareness and, and uh, the feeling of having to put your body into some other person, you know, or against other, another uh, opponent, things like that. So, uh, and I think it's great for children. I think it's also like you just said, it's an awesome way to develop strength and uh, stability and things like that. So, um, and, and later on, those, those skills will carry over to not only tackling, right. Or being a better, better performance on the field to uh, that particular sport, but also, yeah, like, these kids are pretty strong already and they've been doing this stuff you you walk into a weight room for the first time and we go hit pull-ups boom you know they'll be able to do that stuff they'll be able to understand how to like row they'll probably be able to pick up like how to like you know put force into the ground or into a bar you know things like that so i think that's that that stuff for me is like gold
1: yeah it's the nervous system doesn't get I mean, the nervous system is always stimulated too in those open ended environments where it's like wrestling or grappling and and the body, um, the body has a lot of options, you know, versus when you as soon as you fix a bar, um, you know, you, again, uh, certainly time and place for it and and importance of it hugely, but you lock out degrees of freedom and the body has less like options, it's uh, maybe one or two options. And like, I feel like you can do such a greater volume of the wrestling type stuff.
0: It's no coincidence, right? Like I, I the two. This is two things I know for sure. Working with children for this long, two things that they love to do. If you just gave them open space, right, and said go, two things are going to happen. Particularly boys, but girls get involved. They're either going to start wrestling, or they're going to start playing tag. Those are like the two universal. It's like almost instinct for them. Like I can't tell you how many times I've had children walk in. And they're almost their turn. They have like five or 10 minutes before it's their turn to start to start their their session. And they have a few minutes and a little bit of space. I can't tell you how often like a wrestling match breaks out or a game tag. I'm it's literally it's instinctual for them. They just go and do it. If you give them free time and space, they'll just one kid will turn and just start pushing the other kid. And then before, you know, it, it's like. Full on wrestling match. So it's like, almost for me, it's like, I think kids crave that stuff because they know instinctually what it develops and how it develops. And obviously it's fun, you know, for them too. So there's days where the first 15 minutes of my like youth class, they'll come in and and they're like running around already and chasing each other, playing tag. Like, why would I ever stop that? Oh, so we can go do a skips. Like, (laughs) like they're developing so much. Like yesterday, even these kids are older. Like, I had two sixth-graders, two eighth-graders, a freshman and a sophomore, and there was one other kid. And they were like – we were about to warm up, and someone started throwing the football around, and someone's like, oh, let's play ultimate football. And in like 10 minutes, they made their own rules, made their own field, set everything up, and then for the next like 45 minutes, they played their own version of ultimate football. And I didn't say one freaking word. Nothing. You know what I mean? And by the time they were done – like, they were going to go lift. Like, we didn't need to stretch. We didn't need to do anything. They would, like, to, all the movement they just did, they're ready to go. You know, we didn't do any activation drills. We, we didn't have to do any of that. You don't have to do any of that stuff because they're ready to go. They just played for 45 minutes running, jumping, rolling, pushing each other, running around, catching the ball. Like, if their nervous systems are not tuned in to that, then there's nothing I can do, right? So so they they, they played that game. They made it all up themselves. And, in, and even better is that they're fired up for it because it's theirs. They own it. It's authentic, right? It wasn't some drill that I came up with that they have to try to figure out. It's For them, what they did was totally natural, right? And so then after that, their lift was even better, right? They were, went into the – they started practicing their cleans and their snatches and the, whatever they were doing for that day, and the, the, it was a great day. It was It was a great overall training day for those kids.
1: You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, with um, my men's um, university tennis program, one of the in their off season, they really only have um, like a, one really solid month. I would say where they're really not playing at all. Um, but that month, the some of the best work we do in that month is we'll just play different games. We'll play like trash ball or maybe volleyball or half court basketball and. I've almost found the best workout that they get. This is just my gut saying it, but the best workout those guys get, you know, and it's like tennis players, it's like, you know, at what point is strength going to not help you on the court? Well, you you don't have to be that strong to be a great tennis player. Uh, But I mean, I want them to get strong, but the best like combination really has been like, you have an hour. Okay. We're going to play, we're going to play for 35, 40 minutes. And then we're gonna do it like a lift, like really kind of an easy strength-based lift. You know, just just meat and potatoes, just the solid basic stuff. And they are so much more like activated and warmed up. Like you were saying, like like playing tag and wrestling, like they're so activated and warmed up for that lift. Um, rather than if I just went in and did kind of a canned, you know, um, here let's do some, let's do some uh Typical, like okay, let's do some lunges and inchworms and some a skips. I don't even use a skips for track athletes, let alone tennis players. But uh, uh you know, like I, it's so much better. And and for those guys, for that month where they don't have to do their um, or, well, they aren't playing their sport they play year round. It's like this. There's almost nothing better than than playing and and just the mental, like you were saying, like the ownership and like the mental um, like like really kind of attacking what you're doing and having instinctual explosive movements and different than what your sport is and then let's go do some lifts like that's that's been a huge huge thing for me and even yeah even in adult populations it's it's been a lot of fun too
0: oh yeah i mean i think adults are craving craving that type of stuff even just a basic like you know, I think for us and we're used to it and probably the adults that we work with, like they, they get exposed to all the different types of movements that we give them. But you read that if you really think about it, like the majority of the population are not like going to a facility where they like pre- prescribe like bear crawls or like, you know, hanging on a bar, or, like those type of things. Most places are like most people either like jog in a straight line for their whole lives or they go on a, <laughs> on, a on a, on a freaking, uh, uh, elliptical or you know every monday and thursday they bench and curl you know what i mean and so it's like that's that's i mean I've, it's probably gotten better over the years because i think there's a much more awareness about kind of like the you know real training and or functional training or whatever you want to call it but i think the majority of people are still like just kind of moving in a straight line and not really exposing their body to the various movements that it can it can really do you know what i mean yeah and so I think I think adults are just like craving that stuff because you introduce it to them and they're like for the first time and they're like blown away. And then sometimes they're like, oh, we used to do this when I was, uh, you know, back in middle school when I played field hockey. We used to do some of this stuff or, you know, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is really good stuff that you should do for the rest of your life.
1: You know? Yeah. It's- yeah. It's wired into us. Right. Like it, it's it's amazing. It's like, what point do you lose that? At what point does. And that would be an interesting one too. Like, at what point does that like just just sitting in a class for eight hours and no physical education, you know, does that like kind of get it out of you? It's got to be repressed somewhere, right? Like, and yeah. then, <laughs> well, it's like
0: who when when I just always wonder. Like, I'm not knocking jogging, but like, who does it? What 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 point do you just decide like I'm just gonna jog and that's it for the rest of my life? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like it happens like just beep just just oh what do you do for I exercise all the time what do you do Oh, i run three miles every day you know well probably for a little while the three miles was good for you but eventually you either got to run faster or run further to get a better effect right and uh most of the time it's the further one and then you fall apart right so it's like it's just i don't know it's
1: yeah i, 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 I a lot of it i think the running too it's like there's nothing worse than watching like a city like half marathon you know like where they're running through the town and i'm just like watching all those people who think like this is fitness like oh, setting- i mean and maybe you know if it's if it's they're not going to do anything else like and it's right. getting them off the couch they're moving you're good like i'm really happy but it's like just i almost cringe like watching some people i'm just like oh like like do anything yeah. but this like <laughs> seriously it's 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 amazing it's almost a testament to me it's because it's a testament to how far off you know fits our physical culture has fallen right like where you don't you stop being capable of i mean it's like everyone's i guess destined to or maybe i don't know like is. i mean it's a good question but like are you what should your like lifelong mode of fitness be in some levels i mean i try to you know i mean shoot you and i have probably both been working out forever and it's like if I get any chance to like play pickup basketball with interns or do anything playing, I'm like, I will take that. Like, and it's yes. like, you sometimes forget how important that is even when growing up, like how, when it's just like working out is your job. Right. And like, yeah, <laughs> at least for me, it's well, all the I, time.
0: When I was at Holy Cross, you know, I was uh assistant strength coach with Jeff Oliver, who's the head strength coach and Jeff, like, you know, Jeff played division one football at BC, and, you know, played in the NFL for a little while. He's this big, strong guy, you know, and like, and he's he's had injuries over the years and things like that. And then like we sort of like one day he's like, Hey, you wanna go play racquetball? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, let's go play. And I swear to God, after that, like every chance we had, like free moment, we play him and I would be in there playing racquetball. Like no warm up, nothing. We just start whacking yeah. around and then eventually we sort of start sweating a little bit and they'd be like, All right, you ready? You ready? I'm like, yeah, let's go. And like, you know, we would play and just go all out. It was so much fun, you know, and it was like such great fitness. And so, and especially a sport like that, you move around a lot in there. You know what I mean? And you're in this like contained area, you're sweating, you're sweating buckets. And, uh, you know, I remember one year, you know, over, over, uh, when the kids were on break, I mean, every chance we got, we were freaking playing, playing racquetball. It was great, you know? So just really breaks up the monotony, especially if, yeah, like you said, if your job is to work out and teach people to work out, you know, it totally, it, uh, something I think for coaches we need for sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's it's completely, I feel like, underrated. I mean, absolutely. And it's like, racquetball is almost the best for like, you know, you think about a gym environment and it's like, okay, what can I do in a small space that is like the maximal amount of vision, you know, visual reactions and change of directions. And like uh, the highest um, vertical, standing vertical I ever got on the just jump, like ever, was uh, after I came out of racquetball, I, I started to get in a mold where like when I was still competing as a track athlete in you know, my mid-20s um i would i would do a monday tuesday thursday friday like actual workout split and then sometimes do some grass tempo on saturday but wednesday i would always play either with my boss on racquetball or the track team like i would they would play a game that day like i would always have my track athletes play a game on wednesday just because i felt like it was good like midweek recovery and it was it was awesome like it was um even back in my early to mid-20s i i just for some reason i think i just realized how important that was of course my my um, star high jumper did mess up his ankle one day, one year. But uh, <laughs> that was uh, – I don't know. It's like a robust thing too, you know, like uh, I'm sure people are worried about that. But, oh, man, racquetball is is, is like – it's awesome. It's almost like if you could even have like pickleball in the weight room or something that's just like
0: you – know. Yeah, for sure. Every every college football player that I train at my facility tells me that they play tons of pickup hoops all, all winter. Yeah. They all love it they love it and it's always between each other so it's like a bunch of football guys who are playing a different sport you know what I mean which is nice because I think different movements different type of things and, and not every, obviously there's probably kid guys that are highly skilled in football and basketball but for the most part it's something totally different that they're doing and they that, that's all they talk about how you know how competitive it gets and how much fun it is and how much of a break from you know doing the their four days of, of, of lifting that they do um yeah so it's it's good it's funny you said that too like i remember in my like my 20s i could like i trained so hard and i wanted to be at a dunk and i eventually got to the point where i could dunk a basketball but like i could never just like i always wished i could just like show up and dunk and i couldn't like if i played like a game or two get warm then, like, I could just go take a ball and dunk. But if I just, like, try to show up at the at the court, like, you know, I, I would try to jump, I'd be like, oh, I feel terrible. Like, it's amazing how many inches of, of, of your vertical you can get back by just, like, being kind of prepped and warm and ready to go. You know what I mean? That's the one thing I never – I always wanted to just, like, show up at a court and just, just grab a ball and just, like, dunk in front of my friends. And I could never do it. I always had to, like, warm up first and play and then, and then try to be a show-off. But it was funny. So, but those those days are long gone. Can't get off the ground like that anymore.
1: Yeah, I gotta play. I definitely have to play a good game or two to get going. It's almost like makes me think about and well, in reality though, like I, I mean, shoot, like almost everybody. <clears throat> I feel like, especially as you get older, twenties, thirties, like, and, and and regardless of who you are, the best warm up for dunking or is is basketball. Like, you can't like recreate. Right. Whatever warmup it is, like I tried, like <laughs> you can't recreate whatever warmup it is that playing basketball does to you, that you can jump sure. higher at the end of it. I mean, I feel like I've kind of like you go off the track and run a two hundred, walk a two hundred, run a one fifty, walk or walk hundred and then fifty, and then maybe you can do some jumping, and you, you feel you feel somewhat similar on one level, maybe like once that one energy pathway of your body was engaged, but like sure. you know the visual system you know, the nervous system reaction, everything that lights you up, like as an athlete, your adrenaline, like you can't, you can't replace it. It's like, that's where it's at. So, all right. Well, Hey, uh, Jeremy, I think, uh, shoot, man, that time flew by and I don't even know if actually, actually any actual questions ever. the first, but it was, uh, it was uh, one hell of a conversation, man. I mean, I, uh, I, I think this stuff it, it's cool too, because it's, it's not just like training athletes. It's kind of like like what you just said with the kids. It's like what we're wired for. It's almost like we're we're programming out what we're wired for. You know, I almost feel like that's kind of the theme in many ways.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, like someone wrote it on Twitter, like, oh, you know, when I post some of the games that we play, like, oh, we used to do this in my backyard
1: all the time, and I'm
0: like, you know what? That's kind of what I'm trying to bring back. You know, that's why I'm I'm trying to make sure that's part of what we do every day is the things that we did as kids, because I think when I look back at my childhood, there was certain things that I did uh, a lot of that helped in my development or, you know, the kids that I played with or the athletes that I ended up being uh, friends with or played against, you know, um, I, when I talk to people, I try to always get those answers or I ask questions and try to get those answers of what kids did when they were younger. And it's for me, I think it's, it's uh, I want to, I want to, add that component to the training that we're doing with children, because I don't, I don't think the right path is like just watered down version of adult program. Yes. I don't think that that's right. And it drives me crazy. I think it should be, looks significantly different than, you know, the pre-adolescent and early adolescence does not need to look like a college football program. Yeah. So we have plenty of time to develop and a lot of things are going to happen in those years that like we talked about six to 12 to 13 and so we should just be patient and let them let those things happen and try to teach them and let them develop, you know, and their own good. They're kind of at their own pace.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And again, Jeremy, I know you're on episode 100, but the work you're doing is just tremendous. Um, you know, I, I just think of it, you know, if you you think of the world of um, your, your career, as like, you know, problem solving in a sense. I, I can't think of any like anything greater to impact people with young athletes with, you um, than the work that you're doing. So, uh, could we see you again? Uh, and Hey man, it's always good talking and, and listening to what you're up to. And, uh, yeah, I hope we, uh, chat again soon. And it was a, it was a good one today, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Alright, that does it for another episode. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, man, that was an awesome one. It's just like, I'm so blessed to do this show. And these these coaches I've talked to uh, make me such a better coach. And And this one, even for my adult populations, I had multiple ideas I found myself writing down and that are gonna, I think, deliver huge value to my athletes who aren't necessarily kids. And uh, again, I think Jeremy is just doing a tremendous service to the world of not only physical preparation, but also child development, helping kids be kids, helping kids play, and I hope that movement really just sweeps across the country and the world. Um, I think it's something we all need. And again, too, and one other thing is, regardless of who, if you're a physical preparation coach, I, I just challenge you to play more. Um, I- and I'm challenging myself to do that, too. So anyways, uh, if you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you're listening to. We'd totally appreciate that. Also, our sponsor, SimplyFaster.com. They have been a truly awesome sponsor of the show, That I, a company that I definitely believe in. They are doing amazing things with their blog, job board on the website. They deliver amazing service uh, through their the technical products that they sell, free lap timing system, which is amazing, K-Box, gym wear, muscle stimulators, force plates, uh, EMG shorts, you name it, they got it, and they're a great company doing great things. All right, that does it for my spiel here at the end. You guys have a great week. We'll see you around and have a good one.